three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast episode. 132. 132. Today we're being joined by Brent and Mariano of the Dog Trainers podcast. They are co-hosts um, and we're going to talk about all things dog training, dog podcasting, and uh, see how this conversation goes. So let's get them on. Double. We're double zooming today. This, this is a better angle for us. <laughs> yeah, right. How do we do this? Oh, here we go. We're getting some connections. What up? What up? What is what up, good? Up? How are you? I'm oh. doing pretty, uh, pretty good. Oh, How about yourself? I just realized. I thought you guys were two split screens for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We. I was like, we, that's, we I was get like, that's together impressive. in person. Yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> How are you guys? I'm Pretty good. good yourself? Oh, there you are, Mariana. Cool. Good looking out. Give me one second here. Recording in progress. Mariana, sums up with your aspect ratio. Ah, it's all second. squished. You guys are so You guys see that on your end? Yeah, everything looks beautiful. Oh, yeah, you're a, little, is. you're a little squished, but... Um... You're squished like this way. I don't know how you fix it. It's how not, about now? It's not a posture thing. It's like a camera thing. No, yeah. I know. How about now? I just moved something. It's uh, no, it's, it's a little squished still, but better. It, <laughs> yeah, try to like try to turn your camera off and turn it back on. See what happens. Like reset your whole camera. Copy time. Morning. I mean, what is eleven? It's eleven o'clock for you guys, right? It's yeah, ten fifty nine. I woke up thirty minutes ago. Took a shower. <laughs> fresh. Looking fresh. All right. Well. I think we're ready to rock and roll here. How are you guys? Pretty good. And you? Good. 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 Uh, this good, is good, good. Josh, my co-host hey, here. He, what's uh, up, Josh? What's up, Josh? He, he does man. the podcasting yeah. thing with us. Wow. So this is, I think this is the largest collection of dog podcasters all at once that I've ever seen. So this is, <laughs> that's, uh, that's true. Yeah. This yeah. Is exciting. We've had like five trainers on at one episode, but yeah, yeah. this is people who do podcasting. Yeah, podcasting. Yeah. yeah. sure. Awesome. Um, awesome. So um, I know when we talked over the phone, obviously, you guys uh, you guys like having a little bit of structure to these podcasts. So I actually, before we got on here, compiled probably the most structured list of talking points that I've ever done in my life. So, Oh, man. You guys inspired me to do it just for you. We appreciate so, it. No <laughs> yeah, problem. we do appreciate that. Awesome. So uh, listen, why don't you guys kind of introduce yourself, what you guys do. Obviously, cool. I know you're dog trainers as well as podcasters. So I'm interested mm -hmm. to hear a little bit about uh, both of you guys and kind of how you got started in the dog world and then leading yeah. to podcasting, obviously. Yeah, sure. you want to go first, Mariana? Sure, sure. Cool. So I've been dog training now for maybe, what, I'm 30 now. I've been dog training now for maybe 10, 11 years. I got my start in uh, in the Air Force, actually. I was stationed at Lackland Air Force Base, and that's where they have the, the kennels for the majority of the dogs that go through training for them, and I think for the rest of DOD even. And when I got out of the military, I was in for four years, I moved back home to LA because that's where my family is from. And um, I, I got hired on at a kennel that Brent was the head trainer at, and that's kind of where we met and that's where our friendship started. And it was just that transition of let's learn how to teach training and it, you know, in, in kind of a different way. It's not just about working with dogs. It's about explaining these things to owners, you know, because you don't really do that for, for DOD. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from there I had gone to a different kennel or two and I had started untamed maybe, what, like five, six years ago, Brent? It was just before I left? Yep, yep. Right? My fiance and I moved to Phoenix 
about that same that same time about five years ago and um that's kind of where we are now that's how we're doing this and we started the podcast maybe two and a half three years ago at this point right right as the lockdowns were happening like the whatever that that spring was that like the that COVID Janu- it was like january of the year of COVID. Yeah. yeah exactly and that's when our first episode had had been shot and then it came out like you know a week or two after that that's awesome yeah i think i recall because I, I remember when i first kind of connected with you guys and i was looking back at your stuff it looks like we both kind of started our podcast at a very very similar time and it looks like you know even episode numbers and stuff like that like we've mm-hmm. we've kind of uh, got a very similar um you know experience as far as uh, amount of episodes we've done so that's awesome I've noticed yeah, that. It, it was funny. I went back into your to your discography, and I was like, "Hey, we were just talking about making an episode on what he just talked about." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Good minds think. Great mind thinking. Yeah, about. right. Uh, yeah. What about yourself, Brent? Yeah. Um, so, uh, there, there's a long version of the story, but I'll, I'll tell you kind of like the bullet pointed version. Um, uh, so how I got started actually in a dog training, you know, like everyone always kind of has that story where they're like, you know, I grew up with dogs. And of course I grew up with dogs. So did most of America. Right. Uh, but the, but, but I think the big thing that kind of helped prep me was, you know, growing up uh, my uncle's ranch, helping with the horses and the goats and the llamas. And, you know, one thing I always tell people that, that have worked with animals or have had worked in like uh, environments where maybe they needed to pay attention, right? Like whether it's like I grew up in the hood, he grew up in the hood. Like we'd have to learn how to pay attention to a lot of things. Yeah. And um, uh, so I think a lot of that primed me to just pay attention to behavior and pay attention. Don't listen to what people say, listen to what people do and just kind of keep, keep alert on certain things. And I think that primed us not only to prime me to not only be good, you know, with animals, um, but, uh, also with people, right. And it allowed me to kind of adjust my code switch a little bit and learn how to, how to be good at stuff, uh, or good with interacting with humans. Um, so then when I was 18, uh, I moved out of the house when I was 17. Uh, I was one of those kids who like, I graduated early cause I haven't, I'm an October baby. So I was like 17 and a senior in high school. So I graduated yeah. left to LA. Uh, my initial passion was to be in like film school. So I did go to film school. I got accepted to film school and, um, and, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, working three jobs and then I ended up getting let go of two of those three jobs. (laughs) And then I was like, Oh yeah, I was like a broke college kid. And, uh, with that extra time, I went up, I went to go volunteer at, uh, an animal shelter and at that animal shelter, again, those skills that I learned when I was a kid, like just being a good animal handler and paying attention to body language and things like that really helped prime me to start working with these dogs so what's so funny is like i'm pretty sure i watched every single episode of caesar milan <laughs> by that age right every single episode right yeah, yeah. and there weren't too many uh people on the screen who were like good dog uh you know who, who gave you some type of path right so caesar milan was the thing yeah and this whole idea of being like calm and assertive and like a leader and all this stuff you know that's everything like an 18 year old kid needs to know in their life (laughs) because they they probably don't have it right um and so i was able to exercise a lot of those things with those dogs and walking them and playing with them and just spending time and bonding with them and then uh what started off as just like a two-day volunteer thing turned into like a six month uh like five days a week thing because eventually i got let go of my third job uh luckily at this time i had some scholarships that i was that i was living off of but it just kind of changed the whole trajectory of my of my career um or of my path and um there was something that happened uh, there was a dog i was fostering 
or not fostering that I was working with. It was a pit bull and a Rottweiler mix. Uh, no, he was a pure purebred Rottweiler. pair and I adopted out the pit bull uh, really sweet boy and then I had a guy who was working with this Rottweiler who was like wanted to adopt him so he goes it's like a Friday and he's like you know what I'm gonna talk to my wife I'm gonna come back on Monday and I'm gonna and I'm gonna adopt this dog and I was just like yes I've got both of these adopted <laughs> so excited and um, the shitty part was uh, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon I was there with him there was a volunteer, so a 16-year-old, like, know-it-all. Like, I had a Rottweiler when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. And this Roddy was special, right? He, he didn't like everyone. He was very particular who he liked. And the, the guy wanted a guard dog. Long story short, this Rottweiler ended up biting the 16-year-old. After we said, like, don't do it. Go away. He doesn't yeah. like you. And mind you, this is like a week of prep work. The dog has growled at her for a solid week, mm-hmm. right? And now she feels bold enough to come and touch him and pet him. And... um. So long story short, he gets put down that weekend. Yeah. Right. So in in my passion, in my rage and whatever it was, um, I fucking throw fit and I'm fucking yelling at everybody at the fucking shelter. And like, I'm only like 17, 18 at this time. <laughs> And I'm screaming at everybody and I'm just like, you guys don't fucking know what you're doing. You guys don't know how to do shit here. All you guys do is just sit on your ass and like get paid and blah, 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 blah. You know, just being a stupid rebellious kid. And, um, and I remember making such big of a scene that, uh, that the officer who is a friend of mine, he grabs me, he throws me in his office to just shut, shut me the fuck up. Yeah. And I sit down and I'm just so emotional and I'm just like, oh man, this is bullshit. I just, I just want to help these dogs. Like this is, st- I, I just want to work with dogs, you know? And I was like, I'll walk them. I'll groom them. Like I'll do whatever. Like these dogs need help. Blah, blah, blah. And I just remember just not giving a fuck about anything else. Right. And, uh, in the middle of these tears, my, uh, my officer friend, his name's Sergio. He worked out here in LA animal shelter. Uh, Hmm. do you really want to work with dogs? I was like, yeah, man, anything. And so he goes, I have a friend who just opened up a kennel and he's looking for good people. So he gets on his phone, he calls and he goes, Hey Bobby, I have this kid here. Uh, he's a little crazy, but I think he, he'll be good for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he hangs up the phone. And two days later, I get a call from the guy who'll be my mentor for the next 10 years. Right. <laughs> and this gets me emotional because that whole moment of my life is such a pivotal moment right and uh if you guys listen to the podcast the the dtp podcast i'm all about mentorship right because there are people who can help you know there are people who want to help there are people who are great educators so going back to the story um I worked for him for 10 years. I helped build his uh, single facility into two facilities. Uh, we made it a multi-million dollar business. Um, you know, through him, I was able to learn rescue and business and learn how to um, structure teams and learn how to build trainers and learn how to make systems. And some of that stuff he taught me and some of that stuff, he just let me play with my brain, you know, my, my own brain capacity. Um, and so I got 10 years experience practicing on someone else's company. 2018 he sold his company for a lot of money i didn't get any of it because i was just his 
apprentice. <laughs> but uh, now it's been five years and I started my own company in 2018. Um, and that was the company me and Mariano worked at together. And then I broke off, started my own company. And so I have Canis Behavior now in Los Angeles. And um, yeah, got really emotional there. But that's always, that's, that's, anytime I tell my story, it gets really emotional. That's just so a great try. start to any show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> I just, I try, I try to keep it back because I don't want to be like, Kee! And mind you, and that's through years of therapy. I've been able to do just that, just that much crying. That's funny. Yeah, like no uh, people, listeners, dog trainers are not crazy at all. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lie. It's not like we have unresolved redemption issues. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's hilarious because I get uh, I get asked all the time by people like, "How'd you get into dog training?" You know, this mm -hmm. that. And everybody's always expecting that origin story. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right. like, Batman dark. Like, that is like the origin story yeah. that I've yeah. heard of all of them. <laughs> you know, like it's funny. I'm like the opposite. I'm like, you know, I didn't have dogs growing up or anything. I just got my first yeah. dog and was like, well, I'm a fucking idiot. I should learn how yeah. to train this thing. And then just kind of, you know, one thing after another. So that's that's awesome. So let me see if my mental math is good or not here. So are you so you said you're 30. Are you about 32 then? Me? Yeah. I'm 34. 34. All right. So I was pretty close. Then. So, so this will, yeah. So I'll be doing dog training for about 15 coming around 16 years. Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'm 29. Uh, so, so we all nice. kind of got started in roughly the same like era of dog training then. As yeah. Well. Right. Obviously you were a little bit earlier than us. So you were probably learning a little bit more through like back when, because I think when I started getting on the scene, that's when like making Facebook videos and stuff like that first started mm. getting super, super popular, you know, and like mm -hmm. guys like, you know, give Sean, me a year. Give me a rough year. We're talking. Oh God. Um, I, I don't know exact year, but I would say era like is when like Sean O'Shea was like the hot shit with his. Mm -hmm. So like two thousand seven, like eight. That. That's yeah, probably era, probably yeah. in that era, yeah. right? Okay. Um. So so you were probably more in the like that was when like YouTube was really like the place for dog training content, and then you mentioned like the dog whisper and stuff like that. You know what's funny mm -hmm. is um I recently my wife and I went back and watched all of the old seasons of the Dog Whisperer, mm -hmm. um just like maybe a year or so ago, right before they took them off of Disney Plus because his new show was coming out. And damn, man, those first couple seasons of that show were wild. <laughs> like there was some shit in it. I was watching I was watching episodes back and I was like, how did they show this on TV? And it was just like, OK, like there was one in particular. I remember we were talking about where he was like rehabilitating this like white pit bull that was fighting another dog in the house or mm -hmm. something. And in the middle of the episode, like a 15 dog freaking all out dog fight brawl broke out and it was no like a shit. five minute long clip of the episode and it was wow. nasty like blood everywhere dogs fucking latched wow. onto each other and stuff it's uh it's crazy man it's, it's really wild how the uh how the industry has has kind of shifted over time you know totally <clears throat> um okay cool so um you know, that kind of leads me into my my next question, which I think you kind of answered already, which is was was going to be is how you guys started moving into the podcasting space. And it already I'll, I'll let you guys answer that. But it already sounds like I mean, you're so big on the mentorship side of things, like you were saying. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously, what's the best way to be able to get mentors when you're not close to people is watching content, right, following them, being able to to kind of understand their story of things, being able to kind of understand their perspective on stuff and have that shared. Uh, is that kind of how you guys started transitioning into the podcasting space is wanting to kind of achieve something like that and give back to people? More or less. But Brent and I, when we had been working together, we had done a few separate projects together. Like Brent has always had since I've known him this impressive knowledge of how to shoot things and light things and pace videos and, you know, for speaking. And so I remember helping him shoot this series on YouTube called 
um, it was like, you know, how people walk their dogs wrong. Yeah. Do you remember that, Brent? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was like a three or four part, you know, video series on on how to walk your dog better and why basically it's important to work on focus walking and so on. And we had done different clips like that, some for the company we worked at, some just because we just wanted to do it. Because Brent and I were the the two weirdos that would be at the kennel like all day, open to yeah, close till like thing. nine p.m. Yeah, yeah, and then and then go to the bar after and still talk dogs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the uh, but yes, but the urge the urge was always there to like, how do we just help more people, more people, more people, right? And I had been a professional podcaster for a company in Sacramento called Golden State Media Concepts. It wasn't for dog training; it was for a, it was for for different topics that had nothing to do with dog training, but. You know, Brent and I, even after I moved to Arizona, we always stayed in touch. We've always been good friends and we would just talk all the time. And it was like, hey, um, want to start a podcast? <laughs> and, you know, and it was like it, it was the same thing. I was like, well, listen, what's our mission here? We want to do this and we want to do that. Like, what yeah. better way to do it? Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I kind of we kind of just put our, our heads together of well, Brent's really good at, you know, of, of like the marketing, the social media. He's very interpersonal. He's really good with conversation, making friends, networking. And I'm really good at like the logistics. I know how to run a show. I know how to write up an interview. I know how to, you know, ask proper questions. I know how to like formulate a, an extemporaneous outline. All the stuff and so I suck at. All the stuff I suck yeah. at. Yeah. <laughs> and we just kind of, and we just kind of play to our strengths, right? Like any other team does. Yeah. Yeah. And, that well, was and, that. I, and I think he's be he's being, he's really consolidating this because he's tried to get me to do a podcast for like two years prior to this. Yeah. And A, I didn't listen to podcasts at the time. I was, again, I'm like a visual a screen kind of guy so like like i don't have a lot of content on the internet because i'm a long form dude and yep. long form takes a long time yep. and then coming from a film school background i'm just like it needs to have a nice <laughs> camera and a nice shot and good lighting yeah. and i fucking hate that and that's why i haven't produced any like like series at yeah. this time yet because i my, my i can't tell my brain like a cell phone is fine a cell phone is fine a cell phone is fine right yeah um but yeah no uh I think one thing he he didn't mention about the ideas of the podcast, it came back around like three times. And my biggest pet peeve with podcasts that I did know of is like the three hour episodes that kind of went in all different directions and kind of like, you know, I know that that's the format for some podcasts. And I think if you're in, if you have interesting people on or you are interesting, that, that works for a lot of people. But I felt like the best way that we could serve. And I think this was kind of like our negotiation. Me and Mariano had to kind of figure out was like, all right, as long as we can format things mm-hmm. so that people can have digestible bits of information. So if you see an episode on, you know, uh, the, the top five things that all dog trainers do wrong, like whatever it is, those people are going to listen to that episode and be like, fuck, I think I just got smarter. Yeah. And that's always the goal, right? Yeah. It's like, I think I just got smarter and I learned it in bits, A, B, C, and D. So that way I can sequence it in my head so I can memorize it in my head so that I can then teach it and hold it on to my, in my career. Right. Yeah. And so that was kind of our compromise. And I think once we narrowed down that format, the rest of it was just discipline and like getting yeah. together and doing episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the balance of, you know, wanting to be educational while trying to be entertaining still is always Mm -hmm. the struggle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, if you get Mm -hmm. too rigid with stuff, like you could lose some of the entertainment factor and it feels too like textbooky, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're too loose with it, yeah, it's like we've done episodes before where it's like, 
and, and you know, because we do, I think I was telling you guys, like, predominantly it's just us on the podcast. Like, we do guests right. maybe like 30, right. 40% of the time, something like that, maybe even if that. Um, but we've done some episodes where it's like, because we film every Thursday. Like, we, we, that was our big thing is like set a structure to it and stay to it as opposed to like wait until you're inspired for it. And there's been times like we hit record and like as we're hitting record, <laughs> 60 seconds before we hit record, we finally figured out what it is we're going to talk yeah. about mm-hmm. on the episode. And then it just gets derailed and goes in like 17 different circles. And we're at the end, and mm-hmm. I'm like, what do I title this? Like, what do I put in the description? <laughs> you know what I mean? What's the yeah. overarching theme? Yeah, like, what yeah. is the overarching theme yeah. of this episode? And it's funny. We always, like, at the end of it, we, we, like, figure out a way to, like, okay, we're going to wrap this all up full circle with this concept that we somehow stayed with. Yeah. So that's yeah. And make it make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys ever done this one? Because this is me and Mariano all the time. We'll spend an hour and a half recording an episode just to get through it we'll, yeah we'll be like okay and, uh, and that's the dog trainers podcast blah, blah, blah. and then after we hit stop like stop recording we're just like that was shit yeah, yeah, let's do that, again. Was, yeah. that was shit we're gonna do that again next week so, <laughs> so there's definitely come? been a couple episodes I, I can't think of specific ones but there's definitely been some episodes that i've been like that wasn't our strongest one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah but there's i mean they they've all went up anything we've ever filmed <laughs> has went live i think i don't think yeah. we've ever 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 cut anything from no we before, haven't you know? no, only when we had technical difficulties we, we yeah we, <laughs> we had a phase in podcast which you guys obviously are professionals with this right uh, as opposed to us but we've had some definitely technical difficulties before where we like filmed like everything that could possibly go wrong like goes wrong mm-hmm. in the middle of filming we're trying to figure out a way to like salvage it so yeah yep it's hard <laughs> and i think uh, so for us like i'm not a dog trainer i'm a food photographer like and hell I, yeah I, and i've done uh, i'm a food eater that's great there you yeah. Go. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> you got a lot in common yeah but uh i think that the dynamic for us is you <laughs> know food like food food porn for, <laughs> for <laughs> the consumer you yeah. take some serious food <laughs> yeah picks. food yeah. porn picks yes <laughs> but like our our dynamic is you know He's the expert, and I'm the the layman terms guy. That cool when he gets because sometimes you know you you know how it is. You get really into the science, and you guys start throwing these terms out. And I'm like, okay, so this is what he means. (laughs) Like for for all you normal people, you make an excellent point though, because that's that's an important connection to have. Is just the layman, right? Is like this is a dog training podcast, and I would imagine like you or like us rather, most of your guys' listeners are probably dog trainers. Um, but you'd still want it to be digestible to owners too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing though, right? So we started off as primarily like a lot of our clientele and stuff like that, like find uh-huh. us through the podcast. Through so, the podcast, yeah, that's cool. So it's, you know, we have certain episodes that we almost early on started branding them differently. You know what I mean? Where like mm-hmm. certain uh-huh. episodes okay. that were more catered towards the client, like we would post those episodes as like the David the Dog Trainer podcast episodes and other ones we would label as like business specific episodes mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. your dog trainers and stuff. So I think it's a, it's a it's an interesting balance of the two that we hit sometimes and then certain episodes can kind of cater to both, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's smart of you too because you can see what performs well with who. Yes. Right. So that's that's a cool idea for yeah, sure. Exactly. Speaking of of like podcasting guests, because I know you say you don't have many, but I saw that you had Danny Wells on, and I and I I would be very interested to know. Did you get uh, Did you get Jamie locked down? So so we're currently figuring out uh, exact days and times. He's obviously with everything going on over there. They have a couple big hearings coming up that most of his right. energy is going towards. Uh, he is 
committed to doing it. It's just a matter of figuring out exactly when he could chunk the time out for it. So uh, I'm definitely really interested to do that. You know, it's like anytime we have like these big platforms like this, I think it's really important to, you know, utilize them to the best we can to help educate both the dog trainers as well as owners, right? Like, again, we have a lot of our clientele that listens to the podcast and many of them listened to that episode. And that was the first time they ever heard about any of this stuff even happening in the dog world. You know what I mean? Or I I think you, I don't know if you were alluding to or not that episode we just did last week on like the whole Zach George dog daddy bullshit that's going on right now. Right. I was going to be kind to Zach and not say anything, but yeah, I heard that one and and, uh, how Ivan reached out and Zach kind of politely yeah. was like, yeah, I'm good. And, and yeah. it's, you know, it's a balance, right? Like we're not trying to go out there and like bash people by any means. Like that's not at all our intention with this. And and frankly, like, you know, everybody's welcome to train how they want to train. And listen, like I'm not like team dog daddy either. Like he's like my favorite person in the world by any means, but it's no, like, sure. but, but the, the problem is like that whole conversation right now is so much bigger than the two of them. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, being I directed think... towards the biggest person right now. Totally. And I think that you're in your episode, you've you've explained yourself perfectly it's it's you said exactly what you said you know in in detail of like listen i'm not saying that i'm like the dog daddy's number one fan i have my own issues but the problem is who's next exactly right Mm -hmm. and that makes perfect sense to me and and i remember saying the same thing like it was funny when you had reached out because i had been watching your stuff for months right and and uh uh, and I had also been watching this whole thing like zach and and robert cabral and ivan and you know and everybody kind of going at it and Ivan was the one person who had the appropriate response to Zach every single time without <laughs> fail, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not and, playing into the games of it, you know? Right, right. But 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 finding a professional way to still be like, when you want to play with the big boys, you come let me know. Yeah. Right? Because it is important for him to be like, the thing is, I'm doing an actual study. Yeah. I know that you feel a certain way and everything else, but your initial, like the problem is you put your foot in your mouth because the initial thought was, I train the way I train because yeah. of the scientific consensus and everything else, right? Yes. But when we try to conduct a study, because good science is really just good observation. So let's observe some more. Let's see what's up. What if yeah. the methods have changed? What if the tools have evolved? How do we know this is still the case, right? Yeah. And all he's like, ah, I'm good. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's fine. But that's also very telling is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am very interested to see what Ivan kind of cooks up because like he's I was just talking to a buddy of mine just just earlier today who uh, just finished like Ivan's uh, classes and stuff or his course. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the training without conflict. course. Yes. Yeah. 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 And and he was he was saying he commented on the recent video we posted and just said, you know, he's got some stuff he's about to drop. That's going to be going to be really big. So I'm, I'm pretty I, excited to hear that. There's a there's a few big players in the game that are about to start dropping a lot of content that I'm really excited about. I won't like out people, but there's a lot of sure. very like finally I think there's there's coming to be this shift where social media heavy dog trainers it's it's like cool and people have made it popular, but yeah. the real academics of the game are a, a lot of them are starting to have this thought of like should I say something about this and yeah. we're like yeah. yes, yes you should, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's coming. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, this kind of, I guess, segues into the next point that I have a little bit. So so I'm interested. This is a conversation I feel like I have with myself a lot, and mm-hmm. I like to talk to other similar-minded people. I got a lot of those. I got a lot of yeah. You're right. right. Yeah, I talk to myself right. a lot. <laughs> so, I talk to myself all the time in my so, pet rock. So what yeah. do you think, like, our job as professional dog trainers to keep learning is? And what I mean by that is, like, when does learning stop past just staying current on new methods coming on the scene? Never. Does that question make because, sense? Yes, it does make sense. And and the answer is never. And, and I would say because dog training in itself, Brent and I are going to be doing a really cool seminar coming up next yeah. month with Michael Ellis. And it's it's surrounding a very similar 
uh, a similar topic here, which is even if you've absolutely like mastered your realm of dog training and you can get your hands on this dog and you can figure it out, yeah, you still always have to improve as a teacher. You still always have to improve as an educator. And something that that a mentor, a new mentor for me, but a guy who I admire very much, his name is uh, Dr. Stuart Hilliard, and he's the guy who runs the breeding and training program for the Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. And he's a fucking genius. He he was explaining uh, as part of a like a five day long symposium that they did. He was explaining not only be able to speak and explain these things like analytically, but also in story because you have to pass the message and stories have also have always kind of culturally helped people gain knowledge. But then once you can do all that and you can juggle all that, then you have to throw another ball in there, which is learn how to be very picky and specific with the terminology you use. Mm. Right. And I commented that to you when we spoke last time was like, you're, you're very clever with your words. Right. And that's because you you have to get granular with what are we delineating or what are we identifying and that's kind of a skill in itself because when we start to get more analytical like when we run studies and stuff like that yeah uh, a mislabeled issue here could could flip the whole outcome of what people saw ah yeah and so there's never going to be an end to it. it it'll take just it'll take people lifetimes over and over again and as stuff keeps evolving it's going to continue to do so yeah I think that's really interesting. Like, uh, you know, if you look at, I think it's the Myers-Briggs test, right, where they look at, Mm -hmm. like, personality traits in people and stuff. Like, I don't know how many combinations of personality there are, but I think there's tons. uh, Depends what model you're using, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's there's so many different type of person out there, right? And Mm -hmm. every single one of them, you know, receives information in a different way. And that's one of the things, like, with my trainers at the facility, like, I'm coaching them through constantly. And I've Mm -hmm. said since the very beginning is, like, when I look at other trainers at this point, obviously you want to be aware of methods and that like i was saying in it like you know staying current on like new methods or new trends and mm-hmm. stuff like that in dog mm-hmm. training i think is very important but more importantly sure. everybody has such a distinct way of articulating information and and for better choice of words like branding that information in a way that resonates with different people which is why when you look at characters like say uh the dog daddy or um you know zach george or tom davis or larry croner like any of these guys they they their their methods inherently aren't so different. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely some major differences between them, but the way they brand and package that information and put it out into the world is mm-hmm. really where the magic happens and where their followings come from. And each yeah. one of them has such different audiences that likes them. Mm-hmm. And being able to understand all of those things individually, I think is a never ending game and a never ending skill that, that we have to be mastering, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and that and that kind of brings this point. Like, will we ever master it? You know, that's kind of that's kind of this this idea. And then one one big one big thing that Dr. Stuart Hilliard mentioned, and I think this is just important for dog trainers and dog owners to understand as well, just as humans, is a lot of times we're arguing over a technique, mm-hmm. right? We're arguing over uh, a, a tool or a, a te- am I pivoting? Am I clicking? Am I feeding for engagement? Like, what am I doing? You got to remember, every single technique belongs within a system. Yeah. Right. And I think the mistake with a lot of dog trainers is they learn a technique (laughs) and they try to put that square technique into their round system that they already know. And they're wondering, like, I I see that it's helpful. So like like what like I had the advantage over 10 years, like after learning Keeler method, Mm -hmm. then I learned that whole system. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, 
I'm not going to do Keeler with certain puppies. All I'm going to do is food work. So I studied the shit out of Ian Dunbar. I did everything that Ian Dunbar did only food. I like, I didn't put a correction on a dog under six months for a long time. And I saw the limitation and I had to measure every system and I had to measure like, what is the advantage? What's the disadvantage? What's the time advantage? What the time, what's the time disadvantage? What is the downstream, you know, um, benefits you know what's the downstream disadvantages right and like you when you measure each system and you study them as a system then you get it then you're able to be like okay now i can switch right here right but a lot of times we're just learning methods because unfortunately on social media if that's (laughs) you know if youtube university is where you learn shit you only got five to ten minutes to keep someone's attention and you can only teach a technique right you can't actually teach a whole system that is a that is a beautiful way of articulating all of that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why, you know, let's look at it from like a client perspective. Like I'm sure you guys have experienced this as dog trainers is the clients who are um, very, very active with their dogs. Obviously, they're very mm-hmm. active in educating themselves on different things. And mm-hmm. they do what I'll almost refer to as kind of like trainer hopping a little bit, which is where mm-hmm. they'll talk to like five mm-hmm. different trainers to get advice all at once on their situation. And then they try yep. to apply all of those individual methods all at once. And they mm-hmm. wind up confusing the ever living fuck out of the dog. Right. And themselves. And themselves. And themselves. Or themselves yeah. yeah. Or yes. the client. Right. Yeah. Um, which is, which is exactly that. Right. Like I, you know, people ask like, well, how did you get your system? You know, because everybody has their own kind of like spin on things, right? Sure. And it's mm-hmm. an accumulation, I think, of, you know, when I was early on in dog training, it was the same deal, right? Like I would learn and try to replicate what somebody was doing to the best of my abilities, you know, with the, with the best knowledge that I had and do it completely and then see where the limitations were with it, just like you did with where you saw like with a, you know, a Dunbar approach or the Keeler method approach or any of those types of things. Mm-hmm. And as you do that enough and you understand not just the method, but the why behind the method in conjunction with with that particular system, then you could understand Mm -hmm. how to take those pieces and apply it into your system in a way where it works, right? Uh, But Mm -hmm. if you don't Mm -hmm. understand deeply the why behind those methods, like why is that working Mm -hmm. right now or why is that not working right now or why did this individual put it in at that exact spot where they would do it, right? Um, You're always Mm going to be lost when you run into a hurdle with it, right? And and Mm -hmm. where it doesn't work, you won't know how to kind of bob and weave and and, and ultimately make it work. Yep, yep. And and I would say there's a lot of... um, so we this weekend we were we were with Michael Ellis and we were going over one of the modules of our of our seminar mm-hmm. and one of the modules is called master your material right and i would say i've worked with a lot of dog trainers and interviewed a lot of dog trainers uh, and and helped a lot of dog trainers and not everyone has this mentality where they want to like dig deeper yeah. and dig deeper and dig deeper and ask why, but why, but why, but why, you know, like a really curious child. And I think I always believe like, and you know, this could, this could just resonate with human nature, but, but when you keep asking why, like, why does, why should I do this? Okay. Well, why am I doing that? Okay. Well, why am I doing it? At some point you will connect to some universal truth, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like a scientific truth or like a, like, like just something. And a lot of people don't try to anchor what they learn to a universal truth. Mm-hmm. They just kind of go like, well, I mean, that's what Sean Jose said. Yeah. So, uh, or that's what so-and-so said, or, you know, and then they just kind of roll with it and it happens to work, but they still don't really understand why it's working or why it's not working. And, yeah. and so that's, that's kind of a, not everyone is built that way. I look at that concept as, um, you, you know, and this is where I think it's difficult, right? Cause if you look at a lot of like, 
a lot of big name players in the dog industry, people in general, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're all guilty of having our own ego, egos, right? And some mm-hmm. of them more fragile than others. And, you know, as you develop a, a, a bigger uh, fan base and stuff like that, obviously it gets more difficult to kind of, you know, keep mm-hmm. yourself in check with it, right? And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's almost discouraged now to, to, I refer to as like, almost like challenge your mentors a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't Mm -hmm. say that in this mean way of, you know, challenge them and they're wrong and this and that, but it's like, if we could intentionally look for the holes in things, I think Mm -hmm. sometimes that'll lead us even deeper into the path of understanding the whys behind stuff and help Mm -hmm. us to be able to anchor into the things that you can't right? Like when you go to like, you look at this and you try to challenge it, you're like, no, that's, that's universally true. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it can give you uh, a lot of similar similarities uh, across the dog world to, to know what's important to focus on, you know? Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yep. 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I thought, I thought you were going to say something. Sorry. No. no. <laughs> um, great. Um, so kind of moving on here then. Um, what? Um, so obviously you've had a lot of guests on, right? Are there any particular mm-hmm. guests that you would really like, like certain, certain types of guests you would really like to explore more that you haven't already? I'm um, sure Brent and yeah. I have different answers on that. Yeah, you go. You go first. Good. I would like to have on more academic guests, and I would like to have on more uh, behavioral, like ethologists, guests on. I think that that would be a really cool spin, especially with where we are now, with how people are starting to debate. And I feel like a lot of these trainers are starting to throw the word science around kind of haphazardly. Sure. Versus, and and they and they often misappropriate or misrepresent what science really focuses on, mm-hmm. you know, like Brent said about, you know, Dr. Hilliard was mentioning, everybody's so focused on technique and everybody's so focused on whatever, yeah. you know, what scientists focus on outcomes. That's what they look at, right? Is did the rat do the thing or did it not anymore? Where was this at the end of the day, rewarding to them, regardless of what you think about it, did it work for them or did it not work for them? Right. You're kind of irrelevant here. You're just the vessel that's offering them an opportunity to, to learn this. And I think that, there's a huge irony when you speak with a lot of these people, like I've kind of made it a point to just reach out to a lot of people, you know, and just be like, hi, my name is Mariano. You don't know me. I'd love to be a mentee, you know, and, and I'd love to make it worth your time. Like, what can I do for you? But I want to learn from you, basically. Yeah. And what I'm learning from everybody is is how simple, how simply they look at things and how dog trainers online love to pretend it's so complicated and it's not. Yeah. You know, where do you yeah, think the- where do you think the balance is of, of, you know, obviously the world is, if, if like we were just talking about, obviously like digging really deep with stuff, like you can so easily overcomplicate everything by doing that too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where yeah. like you were saying, yeah, it is, um, you know, but at the same time, sometimes we could oversimplify things a little too much, right? How Absolutely. do you strike that balance between the two? Well, I, I look at, I look at oversimplifying as an explanative thing, right? So I don't mean that people... I don't mean that scientists are overly simplistic in how they explain things because oversimplifying means you left important stuff out, mm. right? Simplifying just means I, I told it in its proper context. I left everything that needed to be there, but I made it as accessible to the layman as I possibly could. Yeah. And that's what they like to do. That makes sense. Nice. That's well, well worded. Yeah. What was the question again? <laughs> the original, the original question. What, the original what, question. What type of guests you would like to see on, or, or any oh, particular yeah, yeah, yeah. people you'd really like to engage with and talk to, and why? Yeah. I, I think I, it, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think the really um, 
the really the really big one like there's there's very talented r plus trainers that we'd like to have on like kiko pup yeah yeah you know like like i would i would love to have r plus train we've had a couple we've had denise fenzi on we've had uh sarah brewski um people who who can talk to both sides of the aisle right yeah and at the end of the day it's like there is so much that we have to learn from the R plus community, like so much, right? The same way we have so much to learn from the sport community. Um, and it's, it's, I would like to have those conversations, but a lot of times they're, they, they, they never answer our emails yeah. or, or they're busy, you know, like I would love to have Ian Dunbar on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and we've reached out to him four times. We got his wife, his Kelly yeah. is going to be on or his yeah. ex-wife, his ex-wife, Kelly, yeah. she's going to be on. But I would love to have some of these R plus bigwigs, but I think there's just too much politics there uh, behind it. And we never really wanted to try to set out to be like the balanced dog training podcast, but it just turns out that's what it turned out to be. But yeah. we'd love to have, I personally would love to have a lot of R plus trainers. Yeah, well, it was a lane that we didn't pick for ourselves. It was picked for us because yeah. there was there was this pivoting point where Brent and I had this conversation. Like Brent and I have this really funny process of working through ideas where we both get on the phone and we explain two versions of the exact same thing. And then we like are convinced that the other one has a different idea. And then 45 yeah. minutes later, we're like, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. Okay, oh, yeah, then let's yeah. do that's it. Like, right. Yeah. And that's basically us in a nutshell. So yeah. we, we've come to this consensus like a year and a half ago where it was like, dude, all these guests that we've had on, we need some like R plus. We just need to balance it out. Right. Yeah, like yeah. just just get different types of trainers on. And we're like, sure, no problem with that. It's just harder than you think it is, is all right. Yeah. So it's not that we don't want to. It's they don't want to and you know and it becomes difficult and brent and i have had this this like conundrum of how professional like how responsible are we for staying polite and professional meaning if we invite someone and they choose not to be on or don't respond or whatever do we just kind of let it ride or at what point do we be like yeah guys just so you're aware we did in fact reach out to this person on several occasions they just they just not get back to us yeah and you were talking about the danny wells episode that we did you know and he brought up some like interesting points because he's in the thick of it right now obviously yeah like it it, it is unbelievable because uh, same right like we've invited dozens and dozens and dozens of force free trainers on the podcast so before funny. right we've offered to pay them like you know sure. it's like like whatever we could do to start this conversation a little bit like we want to do it right um and and same deal just been rejected every single time right no interest sure. in it stuff sure. like that and, and you know danny was just saying like he, he's kind of just sick of the like us trying to be the nice guy through all this kind of stuff when mm-hmm. you know at a at a certain point, it's like you look at the reality of like they're trying to destroy like what we do for a living. You know what I mean? Like it's mm. it's not as it's not as friendly of like, oh, yeah, let's just have a conversation about it. Like it is a true ideological difference of they really think that maybe not maybe not that we're bad people, but the things that we're doing are inherently very, very wrong. You know OK, I mean? but who does things that are wrong? What was that? Like who does things that are wrong? What do you call somebody that does bad things? Uh, like, like the, the, the A to C isn't that far away. Oh, like right? bad person. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. Like, like, so they do so, think you know, we're bad. Pe- I get what you're saying. You I know think, what I'm saying? It's I like, you know, so. you're not yeah. a bad person. You just abuse dogs and yeah, them. you just do bad <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yes, it's like the, the word game point. at a yeah, certain yeah. point. It's like, it's like, look, I get that you're trying to be dim- like diplomatic or like non-confrontational or whatever, but yeah, like, yeah. let's just call a square a square. Yeah. Do you think I'm this? No. Do you think I do this? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Would you consider somebody who does this this? Yeah. Okay. Then then stop fucking with yeah. me. Like, let's just, yeah. like let's just let's just be real. Right. That's yeah. that's a fantastic point as well. So okay. So just on that same topic, right? So obviously, as 
uh, podcasters, right? I'm sure you guys stay up to date with a lot of the dog training podcasts out there. And we brought up Ivan's yep. name a few times, who I'm a huge fan of, right? Big, big yep, Ivan yep, fan, yep. obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he is the only person I know of who's been able to successfully get some big name force free trainers on his podcast to discuss with them, obviously. And right. then, you know, it further kind of frustrated me a little bit, though, because as I was watching all of those episodes that came out, it, it felt like it was either one of two things, right? It felt like either um, on one side, the entire episode, they were trying to play this game of being too nice to each other and avoiding the actual yeah, yeah, conflicting yeah. conversation. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like this, oh, we're, <laughs> we're joking. It was like the whole, the whole time it's like, wow, this is so great that we could have a conversation about this. Nobody wants to have a conversation about this for three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the conversation yep. never actually happened, right? Or the other side was when they did actually discuss some of the important topics that are kind of plaguing the dog world right now, it was discussed right. in a frame that your average dog owner is not able to relate to meaning everything was equated directly to sport dogs right right and like mm -hmm, igp right. Mm -hmm. or police canines which are it's, it's a important side of the equation obviously but really what your average owner who is the people that are going to be ultimately voting if some of this stuff starts hitting the polls right um yeah that that they just want to know like how am i going to be able to live the best life with my dog possible not how am i going to be a world-class competitor you know what i mean sure. right so that's the other right. thing that's frustrated me about the conversation too and i'm interested what your guys's opinions are uh as far as what you've heard as far as any conversations that may have actually happened amongst differing opinion trainers <clears throat> uh specifically the ivan's podcast or in general or just in general just in general yeah Man, that's a deep. That's a that's a lot that we could go thirty different directions. With that, there's um, a thinker. Yes. Um, so let me just make sure I, I I understand what you want. So, what what are the conflicts that exist in the that conversation? Yeah. Or no, 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 just in general. Like, are there things like as you've seen people try to bridge that gap, right? Between oh yeah. Force free and balance training. We'll just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Are there things that you have noticed that have been frustrating to you oh for sure um i think i think as it goes it's like you're trying to make emotional arguments with or you're trying to make rational arguments with emotional people mm -hmm. i think that and i think it doesn't matter what side you're on sure. that always will mess things up right yeah because uh, at some point someone starts yelling or starts crying <laughs> and then starts saying like they're dying and then yeah. all of a sudden the argument's over right so um I, I think the over politeness, the deflection, the over politeness will lead to the deflection. Yeah, I think like you, it creates a lot of space for deflection, but then pushing too hard will create combativeness. You yeah. know, um, so that dance gets annoying. And honestly, the only real conversations I think you can have with someone of a different opinion is if you too truly uh, want to understand each other, right? Yeah. And yeah. A lot of times, like, there's not going to be, you're not changing Susan Garrett's mind, you know, you're not changing Ivan's mind, you know, you're, you're not going to change them. So really now it's just a matter of like comparing, you know, uh, theoretical wieners and <laughs> just the size of them. And I haven't heard the term wiener in they, such a yeah, long you know? time. Well, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. There's uh, the, that's that gets annoying. I think. I think yeah. to your point, it's an extreme. But but I think it's necessary because they're trying to stay cordial and sure, they're trying sure. to stay polite. And the only real way is like, all right, you're gonna sit with me. I'm gonna sit with you, and we're actually gonna try to understand each other's point. And I think that's a that's. Uh, I'm gonna probably veer off in a different direction. But like, even as a young dog trainer, I remember just having a belief. Yeah. And not being able to explain my other side's point. 
Yep. And so once I cut that shit out and I'm like, I'm going to make your argument for you and tell yeah. me if I'm correct. And if I can do that, then that means I'm actually trying to show empathy and trying to understand you. I can still disagree, but I can understand where you're coming from at least, you mm -hmm. know? And a lot of, a lot of trainers and people aren't doing that. And, and that's, but that's just, hum that's how the current state of humanity is in general, um, mm -hmm. which is a whole different topic, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, you you that will only get solved if we really actually want to understand each other. Yeah, right? yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I were you gonna say something? No, I, I was gonna say we uh, our girl over at Proper Pause. Mm. Oh, what's her name? Taylor. I like the Taylor. name Proper Pause. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Taylor. Uh, we had her on a couple times, and uh, <laughs> it was before. Now she blew up. Like she got she got IG oh, cool. famous. But yeah, yeah. Oh uh, shit! Maybe we're gonna blow up. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was all us for sure. Yeah, definitely right. no. <laughs> um, you know she's she's a positive only trainer, and those um, were some of the best conversations because both sides. You know, we came in open minded. She came in open minded. We mm -hmm. had discussions on the the different ways that they both train, and and it was just an hour and a half of just great conversation of people understanding, like you know. We are trying to do the same thing. Yeah, we do it a little different, but yeah. that's okay. Like, it works for you. This works for me. And it was just, it was so nice to, like, you know, I, like right now, I, I barely say anything because I just get enthralled by all these dog mm -hmm. trainers talking, sure. you know? So I was just sitting there. I was like, man, this is, why couldn't this just be the norm, you yeah. know? Well, and, the, and, the interesting thing about that, so she, um, she's very into Susan Garrett, right? So that's like mm -hmm, her yeah. kind of idle dog trainer. So she uses yeah. Alties and stuff like that, which whatever, we could debate how force-free that is or not. But regardless, right? I first yeah. found her because some of her videos were starting to go viral and she was posting really, really phenomenal before and after videos, right? Of like very reactive dogs, dogs that were extremely out of control when people were entering the house. And she literally did the balanced dog training thing of like, here's where this dog started. Here's where this dog ended, right? And she showed her work and did really, really phenomenal work. So we got her on. And the point of that conversation wasn't let's look for things we disagree with, right? Like the point mm -hmm, of that conversation mm -hmm. is I've got a lot of respect for what you're doing, right? You're showing your yeah. work. You're showing that you're a highly competent dog trainer. And I don't give a shit how you're training, right? You're mm -hmm. getting good results and you got happy customers, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think we were able to really connect that way. Um, and you know, it helps that, you know, in the internet space, like even when she gets, like, she does a lot of like, uh, question and answer stuff on Instagram. And even when she gets questions about e-collars and prong collars and stuff, she's not like demonizing them. She's just like, mm -hmm. it's just not for me. That's not how I want to train, yeah. you know? Um, so, you know, obviously everybody's got different, uh, levels of, um, strong beliefs, you know, and how much mm -hmm. they kind of mm -hmm. stand by them or, or disagree with certain things and stuff like that. Um, sure. You know, but uh, in, in her case, yeah, it was we did have some really, really awesome conversations. So, yeah. I, and I would say I would say the the you because you mentioned um, as long as you have a belief and it's a personal belief and mm -hmm. it's part of your own self-discipline instead of trying to discipline others, yep. like discipline yourself. Like and, and that's the one thing we loved about like uh, Sarah Bruschi, right? She yeah. straight up said. She said, you know, I used to train pinch collars and treasure like, but at the time I was becoming a trainer, I had a temper yeah, and I didn't want to do that yeah. anymore. Sure. So she set a boundary and limitation on herself. Yeah. And, mm. you know, 
obviously there's good and bad trainers on both sides, but she set that boundary for herself. And that was like, it's like being vegan or <laughs> yeah. doing jujitsu. It's yeah. like, stop talking about it. I'm trying to preach about it all the time. <laughs> just be it. Just yeah, be yeah, it. Yeah. And, and a lot of respect to you. And if you have knowledge and wisdom that you could bring to the table because you've done that, great. I want to hear it. That's, that's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's yeah. when people get like very, um, uh, not what's well, not not religious about it, but very preachy and like yeah. trying to convert mm-hmm. everybody and then trying to judge everybody. And it's like you know you're doing the thing. Yeah. Kind of to your point with Zach George with the negative reinforcement, it's like you know you're doing the thing that you fight against, right? Like you yeah. know you're being a shitty. You're contradicting yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that's all. There's a term for that. That um, I, I forget what it is, but I'll, I'll look it up and I'll I'll text you later. But the, <laughs> but there's a term specifically meant to to depict when somebody is knowingly doing something mm-hmm. but pretending it's something else sure and the example Crazy. was was what you gave uh, uh during the last episode of like zach george is this r plus trainer who's basically using bully tactics to get people to only accept like you know r plus trainers right yeah kind of calling out event space coordinators <laughs> and stuff like that yeah which could be seen as a sort of a negative reinforcer type thing right sure and kind of holding them hostage like oh we'll remove all these one-star reviews if you give me what i want yeah right <laughs> so it's I'll, I'll remember that term and I'll send it to you later. Yeah. Yep. Nice. All right. Well, this kind of segues into my, see, I like how this works, right? We come full see? circle. Right? It's almost as if we're all professionals or something. That means you made a good outline <laughs> if it all kind of flows. <laughs> okay. So here, here's the next uh, somewhat related topic, I suppose, right? So looking through, you know, all of the guests that you've had on your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. You've got some guests that are like very, 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 very at odds with each other, like particularly, yeah. right? Um, yeah. To the point where like some like even will like vilify, you know, you for associating with those other individuals and wanting to yeah. have them on your podcast and stuff like that. How do you yeah. navigate that? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's simple. It's, we, we have to be able to have conversations. Yep. Period. Right. Mm-hmm. And Brent said it earlier. He was alluding to that quote. I forget who said it, but it was like the mark of an intelligent mind is to be able to articulate someone else's position, even if you don't agree with it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess the way Brent and I look at it was we kind of assess the merits of each guest. Like, hey, should we have this person on? What should we talk about? You know, because we do our outline, right? Yeah. And it's not a matter of being like, like too political about it. Like, oh, what should we not talk about? It's more just maximizing the benefit to our guests, to our listeners, rather. Like, like if we talk to this person, where would the real magic come from? Yeah. Right. Like, where would the real benefit and the intrigue come from? Yeah. And so we'll have that conversation, have the person on. And then later we'll want to have someone else on. And we know they're at odds because they're all fucking public with it, right? On YouTube and whatever. And if they if they have an issue, like, well, why'd you have this person on? It's like, we have to have the conversation. What do you want me to do? These yeah. people are popular, whether you like it or not. And it's our obligation to speak with dog trainers of different methods, like whether we like it or not. Yeah. It's my job. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my honest stance, and I and I hundred percent support it. Um because we've we've we did we we did this we started this series that's currently being edited. Uh, it's called Road Dogs, where we traveled around the United States and we interviewed some of our favorite dog trainers, right? And on those interviews, where we're one on one with people in private, they'll come to us and be like, "Why the fuck did you have so and so on? Yeah. Why did you have so and so on?" <laughs> and and my answer was, "Listen, Mariano's point plus, um, we need to have." kind of like this uh, this menu of really great dog trainers mm-hmm. uh, who are on the podcast because some people are so religious about this individual, they will never see you guys ever in their feed. Yeah. 
So if we can draw their people in and then they go, who's this guy to the left and the right of this, of this episode? And they listen to you. Maybe they'll be able to not only take something positive, but now you can pollinate their minds a little bit and maybe teach them something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so just kind of being able to have a strategic pool of people because yeah, there've been, but then also I think, I think our natures, like I always try to look at the best in people, right? I know sometimes that can be a damaging flaw. I'm not an idiot. So like I know how close to keep people and things like that. But I think that that's the kind of space that we wanted to create in the podcast is like, you're welcome to talk, you know, as long as you have some, as long as you're good at something, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. As long as you're good at something, like you, like we get call, you know, requests from a lot of people who, you know, they have like 200 followers on Instagram, which doesn't mean that you're bad, but you know, let me see your stuff and let me see if you're a good dog trainer. Let me see if you're a good speaker. Let me see if you're decent at biz. Like, what are you good at that you can help the community? Um, and, and you know, that's, that's ultimately, you have to be good at something. I think that would be like our base. Yeah. We just, our, our end goal is our audience. We want to bring value to the audience. And if you can yeah. do that, then let's do it. Right? Which is whether young, we, which is up and coming dog trainers. Exactly. Whether we right. agree with you or not, whether we, whatever or not is if you can help them, it doesn't really matter what I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a great stance to have on, on the whole thing, you know? Um, yeah. It's interesting. I, I would say I'm the same way. Like a, a lot of these guys that like are despised in the dog community, like at this point, like, you know, one of the best ones and one of the ones I was scrolling through and saw is like, you had obviously Jeff and Sean on your podcast who, you know, early yeah. on in my dog training career were huge mentors of mine, right? Like there was a <coughs> lot of good that they did for the dog world, I think. And I think it's argued that there's still a lot of things that they do that are very good, right? Now there's quite a bit of stuff that I could look at and be like, Eh, not too into that, not too into that. Think you probably right. should do that different. But if we could leverage the good sides of them, like Sean was one of the first people that I saw that was writing things out in a exactly. very, very, mm-hmm. very simple, easily digestible way to your average consumer, right? And mm-hmm. he does to this day. He's good. He's so to, good at that. To this day, right? I think, yeah. you know, some people really can appreciate the, uh, the no-nonsense approach of Jeff, right? I think some people mm-hmm. that are really desperately struggling with their dog need to just kind of be told what it is and be told it's okay to just, like, get your dog under control and not feel super mm-hmm. bad about it, you know? Um, sure. And I think that... I think sometimes in this game of, like, political differences in the dog world, we we either don't want to admit that or um, feel guilty about admitting that. You know, Keeler method, right? There's a shit ton <laughs> of stuff that we could say. Like, I think it was Gary Wilkes was posting recently on his uh, personal Facebook page, like, some deleted chapters of the Keeler uh, textbook. <laughs> deleted. You know what I mean? Like, stuff that literally in the new editions of yeah. it or new, because I think oh, the that they don't have the 30s it or editions. something like that. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. so funny. Um, that are no longer in it. Right. Um, and he, he was posting those out there and stuff like that. It's like there's a shit ton that we could look at in that of like, yo, that's probably <laughs> that's not that's not too good. You probably shouldn't be doing a whole lot of that anymore. But Keeler was also the first person that I know of, at least that really put things into a system. You're talking systems, obviously. Mm-hmm. He created mm-hmm. a system that your average owner and average trainer could follow to have a well-behaved yep. dog, you know. Um, Absolutely. So I think that's uh, I think that stuff is very important. I like that. Uh, yeah. I like that idea of it. And we, we really try to do the same as, as um, you know, have those conversations, talk about the differences, challenge the mentors, like I was saying, but also mm-hmm. look for aspects of each one of them that you can kind of learn from and appreciate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think personally, my big challenge to all listeners of your show, of our show is you should you should really practice establishing yourself a very useful filter. And you should be able to listen to anyone about anything 
and pull what little bit is beneficial to you mm. and not get pissed about it and not get too, you know, don't get your feathers ruffled or whatever they say. Just listen to it. And if it wasn't valuable to you, forget how you feel about it. Was there benefit for you? Then take that. And if it, and if the benefit has to be molded a little bit and changed up a little bit, then do that. But the filter thing is my big thing is, is I'm a big believer in like the audience are smart. Interview everyone and let them pick and choose what they pull from each individual. Yeah. I like that. I think that's awesome. Uh, all right. So I'm, I, I guess, last couple points I have here. So I wanted to do this. I thought this was kind of a fun thing here. Um, I want to do kind of a flash round here of some top, cool. top things you learned from the <laughs> following trainers. So I picked uh, uh, three okay. or four, like five or six people that you guys have interviewed. And I cool. want to know what the biggest takeaways from those podcasts were, right? Um, so first one, so you've done a ton of work with Michael Ellis. I talk all the time about Michael Ellis was the single biggest inspiration for me when I first started getting into dog training. When I started training dogs, the guy that I was working for handed me the Michael Ellis Power of Training Dogs, the food DVD, nice. and yeah, said, nice. watch this and then watch it 17 more times. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you um, still won't fully understand and you still it. won't fully understand it and then don't even get me started on advanced concepts and motivation that one is yeah. even more of a fucking textbook um yeah so so what you know you guys are obviously have a big and i want you also to talk on obviously the the thing you have coming up with michael the the yeah um, i appreciate that yeah yeah sure. uh, but what what are some of your biggest takeaways or biggest things you've learned from him go for it Brent. shit okay <laughs> so, so many um michael is a true like artist and one of the biggest principles that he talks about and he preaches is he says you know dog training is a, is a process it's a process driven profession right so like mm -hmm. if if you're results driven and all you want is to get to the end and and get that money and get that like you're not going to make it happily in dog training and he's a guy for 40 years he's been working his dogs every day playing with them every day swimming them every day and like he legitimately lives and breeds dog training which i know is so rare because some of the other idols we have on the internet may not be that way right mm -hmm. um and so he's he he's just really inspirational be like like if you love the process if you love dog training you're gonna do well at it and it's crazy because we meet him in person and we get to know him and you know every now and then like as you get more comfortable with people like you push to see like is there a real boundary there and he goes <laughs> yeah there's a boundary there like the the walls are strong on this one like the yeah. the morals the ethics the principles he's just a good person he's a he's a he's a true artist he truly cares about the dogs and the people he's working with and it's just like i guess to sum it all up to have a really big love and passion for dog training uh that's what Michael Ellis has kind of been an example of and um, and an inspiration for. Yeah, that's Absolutely. what I would say. I like that. Yeah. yeah. What about yourself? You got anything to add to that? Sure. I, I think that my big takeaways from Michael, in terms of dog training, the, the big thing that he's just inspired me so much is his ability to articulate. The man is a, the man is, I think he's the best, teacher of dog training alive right now mm -hmm. and and i think his ability to hands-on work with dogs is just incredible and his understanding of the sciences and his and it, you know he's just he's he's like the most well-rounded person i can think of right now yeah and the other thing i take away from him has nothing to do with dog training 
uh, like I told you guys, I'm getting married in like two weeks and him and his wife, Carol have this awesome relationship and I, and I see how they are together. And I, I kind of, I find myself thinking about that often when we're around them. Mm -hmm. So that's a big one that I took away. It's just how he is just as a, as a husband, as a family man. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never met him before, but he seems so genuine in, in everything that I've ever seen of him. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard any negativity. Out I was about to say, before. you know, no, how you're I mean, judged by I, the company you keep. Yeah. Like the people who know Michael, not only like, <laughs> like him, around him yeah, yeah. and are around him, not only like him, like I've never heard anything bad about him either, but it's more than that. It's these people just love the man. Yeah. And you can see why, like meet him one time, go to Santa Rosa one good yeah. time and you're going to immediately like, I yep. see it. I get it. Yeah. yeah and, and, the people, I'm, and the like, people I don't that are, I don't hear him like I've never heard him say anything that, and even if no. any disagreements you know like I've heard him talk on things he disagrees on in like the most respectful cordial possible mm -hmm. manner mm -hmm. ever you know and that's really who he is yeah. he's just these yeah. he's just the sweetest you know like like yeah he's just awesome you just got to go meet him it's hard to even put into words honestly yeah that's awesome yeah and and I think it's that it's that ethos like that vibe of like I'm I'm not really into conflict I'm into work I'm yeah, into yeah. like, like show me, don't tell me kind of stuff, you know, like, yeah, like that's, that's Michael in a nutshell. And, you know, I, I, I think we parallel that vibe. Like yeah. we don't like talking shit. We have so much shit we could talk, but we, we don't. Sure. And it's just a waste of energy at some Yo point. Yo mama's so dumb. Yeah. Yo mama's so dumb. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, who's another uh, next person? That's awesome. Yeah. So the next one here. So Denise Fenzi. So obviously a very, mm -hmm. uh, I would say a little bit of a controversial crossover trainer, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people have pretty strong opinions on her as far as liking her or not liking her. Um, sure. I'm interested to hear what you guys got out of that conversation. Um, yeah. Uh, two things. Yeah. So we, we interviewed her twice, one on, on a behavior euthanasia episode mm -hmm. and then the other one um, was with sarah was with sarah brewski yeah and honestly she's you know regardless of how controversial she is she's she's i think she's more balanced than people think or than than she claims to be right so yeah um i think just want she does have this intention at least when you interview her to want to understand the other side. And I think being able to, to, um, to just, to just ask questions without judgment, like to, to be able to truly try to figure someone out. Um, that was really inspiring in that interview. Um, she has this cool saying that I like, she talks about the rights that people have mm -hmm. and she goes, your dog has rights, you have rights and the public has rights. And I thought that was really cool. I've definitely used that before. And so she's like, the public has a right for your to not get lunged at by your dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your dog has a right to sniff, uh, but be under control, you know, and you have a right to be able to have a dog. Right. And it's like, how do we make all of those three rights uh, mesh together and coexist together without impeding on each mm -hmm. other and and causing conflict? Right? That's a really interesting. Uh, I've, I've never heard that described in that way, but I, yeah. I do really like that. You know, I talk a lot about like when you look at like what methods you need to implement with individual mm -hmm. clients and stuff, all the variables, right, that are at play. And that mm -hmm. kind of summarizes a lot of the variables. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like your needs, mm -hmm. the dog's needs and the public's needs um, mm -hmm. based on things. So I, I really like that. That's cool. Yeah, that was that was a good little nugget from her. Yeah, yeah Denise, to me, uh, two things that really stand out to me for her. Number one, she builds really good R plus trainers. Mm -hmm. Like her students that go through the Dog Sports Academy are solid. And the second thing, and, and I think that this is more impressive because you should be able to build good trainers if you have an academy, but that doesn't mean that everyone does, right? So she does deserve, I think, a good amount of praise for that. Mm -hmm. But the bigger one is as an R plus trainer, a very well known R plus trainer, 
she's the most open to either helping or conversing with with balanced trainers that I've seen of anybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she's done some work with uh, with uh, John Gotta. She's you know, she like like she's the kind of person that if a balanced trainer reached out to her right now on Instagram, like, hey, I, you know, I'm working with this dog. I'm a balanced trainer, but I'd love to know if there's a way with food to do this thing. She'll teach you straight up yeah. for free. She'll you know, she'll, she'll kind of zoom with you or whatever and help you out. You know, she's she's that person. And that's awesome. So getting yeah. back to somebody that's that. And, and do you think some of that comes from like her, um, you know, her past of being a balanced dog training and being able to kind of relate to that? I think I think some of her ability to not get emotional about balance training comes from her past is ah, she she yeah. told us straight up on the on the podcast with Sarah, like, I get the benefit. It was like Brent was saying, like, if you're a vegan because you choose to be for moral reasons, well, nobody can knock that. Yeah, you have a value system in that. And that's and that's like real, right? Like you have the right to, to believe what you believe. And she just straight up is like, yeah, I get the benefit. Like she's in the sport dog world. What, you know, all of her competition uses tools and, you know, and she understands that, but she just made an ethical choice one day to be like, you know what, me personally, I'm just not going to mess with that, Yeah, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. I like and that. I think that that headspace allows her to be like, oh, you do. All right, cool. Well, anyway, here's how I do this. And since you're calling me for my opinion, <laughs> here's, you know, here, here's, I'm going to show you how I do it. I, like I did love how she said, she said balance, uh, this is not verbatim, but she was like, all right, so balance training has a, has a leg up on uh, leash walking and recall, yeah. you know, like, it was like, it was like, that's what we can do the qu- quicker than R plus, yeah. you know, but anyways. Awesome. All right. So I got three more here. So these next two, I'm going to sandwich together. Uh, cool. So Sean O'Shea and Jeff Gelman, I feel like they're always kind of a package deal. I think, you sure. know. Uh, a lot of people's biggest qualm with them is, you know, when they were doing the train the trainers thing, I think they're probably, they're probably a little guilty of having some of the least skilled dog trainers uh, that are mm-hmm. on the, uh, out in mm-hmm. the industry right now. Um, mm-hmm. But like yeah. I said, on the contrary, I think that, you know, in my opinion, there's a lot of, a lot of good they've done for the dog world as well. Um, what are, what were some of your takeaways from those conversations? You first, Mariano. Well, uh, this is going to apply more to Sean than to Jeff. Sure. Because I, like you, watched them a lot in my early, like, e-collar formative years. Yeah. But I learned more from Sean O'Shea. And, and I was more inspired by not only the videos, but the writing. And later he made books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he would often speak about things that didn't have much to do with dog training, like the importance of self-development. You know, yeah. listen to Jim Rohn, get yourself right, like, stop fucking around, basically. And the big takeaways that I gather are, number one, the importance of writing out your ideas and of timing it well. Like he's like, I do it early in the day when everybody else in my house is asleep and I can just get my work done. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very beneficial because I'm someone who's very scatterbrained when, when like the day gets moving. And the other big takeaways, he has this, this relentless simplicity to him that I think is, is very useful. It's just, I just focus on what I focus on. I don't pretend to be something I'm not. This is what I do. And if I'm not the trainer for you, it's perfectly fine. Right. And I think that, the where that really benefited me personally but also i know a lot of people who have done t3 like personally they've gone through it yeah and they all tell me like yeah the training was you know was what it was but where i really benefited was from learning how to not do too much online because i focus on one simple task which makes marketing easier yeah i learned how to price myself fairly and accordingly and not like undervalue myself and stuff like that so i think as a business mind yeah Sean O'Shea is a very smart guy. Yeah. And that was my biggest takeaway. That and he's just really easy to listen to. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did early on in my training career, I did a phone consult with him. And back when he used to have 
What was the girl that used to work with him? Oh, um, yeah. She, they did the Q&As together. Yes. I forgot what her name Sarah was. Sarah Morgan or something like that. Yeah, some, something like that. But I did a phone yeah. consult with her as well. And yeah, they were um, they were very analytical of the business side of things and very, yeah. very helpful with some like systematic issues I was having within the company and finding yeah. solutions for those types of things. Yeah, exactly. Sean O'Shea strikes me like he's an excellent boss and businessman. Yeah. Um, you know, as a dog trainer, I'd love to see like more, sure. but, but on the business side of things, I, I, I like overall, I, I have a positive view in my mind of Sean O'Shea. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything bad? Anything oh, bad? Me? Yeah. No. No, oh, no, I, no, no. I, I, think, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. the training, the training lacks certain things. Sure. No, I that, mean, that's no, no. I meant, uh, if Brent had anything to add to it. Oh, me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I was you like, know. Yeah. yeah. I was, uh, well, since we're on that, uh, yeah. uh, uh, anything, anything good uh, that I got from Sean or yeah, Jeff. just takeaways you know, in general. You yeah, know? yeah. I think honestly, uh, I, I I told Jeff, I told Jeff this either probably before. I was like, I said, you're e collar Keeler. I said, <laughs> I respect Keeler. That's I a good way to put it. The method. Yeah. I respect. I know that there are things within Keeler that I still use till this day with the right dog. Yeah. Um, and and the right client, you know. So I, I understand it. Um, I would, I would, so, so that I respect and I, res and I, and I, and I do respect the fact that he is keeping certain things alive, but kind of just like, you know, like, like you are also responsible for how you package things and sure. give them out. Right. And I think, you know, if people don't like you, true, like people don't like you, that's kind of your fault. Right. Yeah. It, it is partly your fault. And sure. I think sometimes people get stuck. My personal belief is like, like if like not everyone's going to like you, but if you're purposely not aware of what you're doing, that makes people not like you. Yeah. Uh, or you are aware and don't give a fuck. Like there's there's <laughs> errors in both of those mindsets. Right. Yeah, sure. There's errors there. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say keeping it real, keeping it direct, keeping it strict. Um, there are definitely times for that. And yeah. I think having an archetype like like him is 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 important however it's not a way to uh, what's the name of that book to 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 win over friends and oh how to, how, to, how to win friends and influence people <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, Carnegie. Yeah. yeah it's definitely not and i think the only people that will respond to that type of are, are not emotionally strong people yeah and and i guess my my issues with jeff and I'm not going to be one of those people that turn around and shit on him. He's been on the show. Sure. He's been nice enough to me after after we had him on. Not long after I went to one of his seminars. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't a huge fan of, of a lot of it. I'll I'll keep it real with you. Sure. Uh, in fact, I kind of put my foot in my mouth when we had him on because I we, so I went to his seminar after that. Yes. And mm -hmm. and I was talking to him specifically on the podcast about like the bonker thing. Yeah. And I understood it as like, well, it's a towel that you can like throw. And in my mind, it was like my dog's digging in the trash. I can like grenade it across the room and it'll kind of land down him or near him or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But not exactly. then I see how hard, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then I see how hard he like launches that thing at a dog that's like right there. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that's what it was. Right. Yeah, sure. But um, there's a lot of things that I think he's too simplistic. Yeah. Like, like I think Brent's right with the right time with the right dog. I think that there is value to that approach, mm -hmm. but I would love to see from Jeff and I like him like just like Sean, I, I would say, you know, if Jeff were to text me like I would, I'd be there. I, I'm a friend. I, I, you know, I like you. Yeah. You've helped me and so on. But yep. But. I, the way I would quantify a friendship is it's my job to not bullshit you. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I were to, if, if Jeff were to ever want constructive criticism from me, it would be, you're too simplistic. Be a bit more adaptive with your training styles, be easier on a lot of these dogs. Yeah. And 
I'm not saying eliminate the persona, the Jeff Gelman that we've kind of like come to understand, but add to it. Yes. Kind of like you guys are doing. There's time for this and there's time for that. And your job as a dog trainer is to be as adaptive as you reasonably can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. And it's interesting, you know, like, uh, I, I think, uh, Brent, you were talking about uh, the perception of like, you know, not understanding why people don't like you or not being aware of it or, or not caring, you know, mm-hmm. this gets to the the conversation we were having with um, or the other day when we were talking about like the dog daddy debacle. I think it's a very similar thing, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, I'm not saying if a dog is lunging at your face that you can't be pretty hard on them and, and get them under control. You know what I mean? But if mm-hmm. you're building your brand around that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it's it's not that I think you're doing this horrendous, awful, terrible thing, yeah. but like you're you're marketing yourself in a way that gives a lot of ammunition. You know, and and with Jeff when yeah. the bonking debacle came about, when his videos of him bonking dogs were like going viral, it's like listen, like I use a bon- I, I'm the first we talked about it on the podcast a million times. Like the bonker has been very beneficial for some dogs for me before. You know, um, but mm-hmm. I'm very it's my absolute last tool that I go for in the toolbox because I know. Mm-hmm that it definitely looks bad, you know, and mm-hmm. it definitely can be taken out of, uh, out of context to, to yeah. be kind of weaponized against a type of trainer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think we should, we should be aware of that, but it's hard because like, you know, you look at the dog daddy who's got fucking millions and millions and millions of followers. And it's like, he's branded himself that way, which has given a lot of ammunition towards people. But at the same time, that brand is what's gotten him so freaking popular. It's, it's wild. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to, true, hard to kind of wrap your true, head around. But- but I would argue that like followers and fans aren't necessarily the same thing. I think that sure. he's very popular, but I would I would argue somebody like Michael, somebody like Ivan has more fans. Somebody like Larry Crone, Robin sure. McFarlane. So Sure. Yeah. So I, I would kind of dance that line. That's why social media popularity is like a is like a funky thing. Yes. Pointless. Almost pointless. I, I would I would agree with you with that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, so moving on. Um, the next one on the list here, who, who you just just mentioned his name a second ago. So Larry Crone, you guys had him on. Uh, mm-hmm. Larry is a very, very outspoken person in the industry, obviously. He mm-hmm. is somebody that, you know, I, I've personally had, um, you know, some beef with in the past, obviously. Um, but I think that he is an extremely talented trainer. And I think he really, he is one of those people that strikes me as somebody that, like, all of that outspokenness is really coming from a place of getting back to people that deeply, deeply care about dogs. You know what I mean? Yeah. He strikes yeah. me as that kind of person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's not takeaways? an ounce of anything bad I can say about Larry Crone. Um, <laughs> a couple, he didn't have to prove himself to me, but you know, again, you meet people that you read their books or you, you looked up to and they proved to be good people. Yeah. A uh, couple accounts that I can share, um, uh, I, so I have a friend who's a dog trainer and he, Larry Crone was his idol. Like he's like, I love Larry Crone. And, and he made a video post and that post went viral and Larry Crone, like they sent it to Larry and they're like, what do you think about this, Larry? And it was a bad move on my friend's part. Yeah. And I was like, you idiot. Like now you're famous for this mm-hmm. stupid post that you made. And, um, Larry, I guess wrote him and said like, do better, blah, 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 blah. And it like shattered his shattered him sure and uh he's like i don't want to be a dog i mean it wasn't it wasn't this dramatic but he was pretty much was like my hero just fucking bashed me fuck blah 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 so when i got to meet larry crone for the first time we were at a seminar with him and and we were we were we went as dtp we were like interviewing and and doing things like that yeah and um and i told him i said hey i have a friend who really looks up to you 
and um, you know this happened, that happened, and he doesn't even remember because he gets videos all the sure, time. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I showed him the video. He goes, "Oh, that guy." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "It." People send me this stuff, man, and and I have to respond to it. And if I don't respond to it, like, also I said, anyways. Long story short, I said, I said he was really hurt by it, and just as a personal favor to me, would you mind reaching out to him? And he goes, of course. So on his own time, he reaches out to this guy and says, hey, man, just want to let you know, like, I, if if I if I hurt your feelings, whatever, like I didn't mean to, um, but you know, you obviously we know that the video is not a good look, yada yada yada, and like let's do better kind of thing. Right. And so I was just like, so touched by the fact that he, as a favor to me, he just knew, he only knew me for two days. Sure. He went out of his way to reach out to this person and just like apologize and just, are we cool? Are we good? So I was like, all right, number one, that's was cool. Checkbox for me. I was like, you're dope. Number two, when you hear him talk about dogs, when you hear, see him talk to people, the passion just kind of oozes out of his, yeah, uh, of him, right? And one thing, if we want to bring in Dog Daddy real quick, um, <laughs> bring him in. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dog Daddy, <clears throat> I think every dog trainer who's worked with an aggressive dog has done something similar to Dog Daddy. Sure. The problem is, is Dog Daddy's just a horrible example of what he's doing, right? Like he's just not good at what he's he's not good at the restraining tactfully restraining a dog defensively handling a dog uh in a way that actually calms the dog down in essence it just agitates the dog right and then especially when you're doing that in seminar format right like one of those shittiest things that i'm sure like jeff has to deal with or like caesar or whatever like anyone who does seminars is you want to put on a show for the people in front of you i agree and there's a handful of trainers that will grab that leash and they'll put on the show at whatever expense to the dog that, sure. it, that it is. And Dog Daddy is one of them. During a seminar, there was this really, really aggressive pit bull that Larry was asked, like, what do you think about it? And Larry just goes, and it's a big seminar room, like huge, like a yeah. big hotel seminar room. And Larry just goes, I can't really work that dog till I get to know him. And we're just like, what do you mean? He's like, Hand me the leash. And he grabs the leash and the dog's like lunging at him. And he goes, come on, let's go. And he goes all the way to the other side of the room. And he walks with the dog. And he sits down with the dog. And he gets to bond with the dog. He gets the dog's tail to wag. And like he's like testing the dog out. Not doing any training. Just like vibing and handling with the dog. Yeah. And then he comes back 10 minutes later and he goes, all right, we're going to work on this. We're going to work on this. Right? But the fact that he took the time to say we're not going to put a show on yeah, yeah. i'm going to go get to know this dog i'm going to go work with this dog and he came back with information and data and then in that in that moment in front of the group we were able to do a and b and the problems got better at that time yeah that just goes to show like how much love he has for the animal right and how much he doesn't want to make a spectacle that uh, his ego is not really into that as much um and so i thought that was very impressive and um something that maybe dog daddy could learn from (laughs) (laughs) you know no i like if i were go ahead no no you can finish go ahead well i was yeah no no that my point was made go ahead no i i agree with you and and i've I've been so outspoken in the past about the seminar vibe is just Mm -hmm. that's tough man you know because like you you have such little time with these dogs it's in the worst Mm -hmm. possible environment to train them in and yeah uh you know what kind of long-term results are you really going to get from working with a dog for just two days you know Mm -hmm. it's like i'm sure you can give them some pointers and stuff but yeah it's like uh, at a lot of point yeah the the seminar touring and stuff you know is almost for the sake of 
you know, capturing those, putting on those dramatic shows for people, yeah. you know? And, well, and, and, and if I were to, if I were to try to do the seminar thing better, yeah. right? Like I used to do this actually at, at my old facility. Uh, we got high speed internet. So what I would do is I would, I would zoom myself in the other room with the dog. So yeah. my client could oh, see sure. what we're doing in the yeah, other yeah. room. And so, you know, if I were to do a seminar, I would, I would book out two rooms. I would book out a isolated quiet room and then I would book out the presentation room. And I would have a big fucking projector and I would say, all right, me and the owner, we're going to go to this isolation room and we're going to do a demonstration for the whole seminar, but we do it streaming, right? We would do it streaming no matter what have it could be recorded, whatever it is. But that way, at least the dog can relax. The yeah. owner can relax. There isn't pressure to perform and we just get what we can get. You yeah. know, we just, we, we get the dog as far as we can get. So that would be something, you know, if, if we were to ever host a, a working dog seminar, that would be definitely something yeah and one thing i think the uh one thing i think getting to looking for positives in people right i think one thing the force free community talks about a lot that i think is Mm -hmm. accurate to some extent is um i think i heard zach george mentioned this recently obviously through all this stuff is you know if he's working with an aggressive dog you know if he's doing his job correct it shouldn't look like it's an aggressive dog and i think actually larry has said similar things to that before you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and Though I don't think you'll be able to necessarily get away with like rehabbing it via a force-free process, I do think that you know when we have dogs come into our facility that are extremely dangerous or aggressive dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get quite as dramatic of before footage mm-hmm. of those dogs because mm-hmm. even spending an extra ten minutes letting the situation like cool down before you go to start any training could really get that dog out of that initial state of mind. And then how you're doing the leash handoff, you know, like the way Dog mm-hmm. Daddy does it with the owner holding it and then here's the leash and then pull the dog away from them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, that's generally speaking gonna be the biggest point of conflict, you know what I mean, that you could possibly like yeah. introduce yourself to this dog in and stuff like that. So, you know, I do think that there is some learning to be done about like de-escalating the situation before you actually start um, start your training, uh, and I do think guys like like Larry they they do do a good job of uh, kind of articulating and and pushing that on the community a little bit, you know. Um, so I yeah, agree with and that. it's it's important. It's important because like I I don't I don't like to talk too much about Dog Daddy. One of my trainers actually used to work for him, and so mm. I know I know too much. Sure, and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think he's just an island boy of dog training. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's good publicity, bad publicity. Sure. He's benefiting from it. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I I don't know what my point was, but I just he it it, it frustrates me to to think about him. But I think better dog handle. Yeah, just having and that better mentors, better mentors, better yeah, examples. Yeah. That's the. Uh, that's actually why we do the podcast yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly for that reason yeah sure mm-hmm. awesome uh mariano you got anything to add about uh larry anything i love larry voice? larry was He's, he drinks a lot of whiskey he the, i was i was i was legit about to mention <laughs> i was actually about to mention that right now but it wasn't, under it wasn't well he's he's also giant so he can drink a lot yeah, of whiskey yeah, 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 yeah but that's true but no what i was going to say was larry is uh he's probably the most warm and inviting like dog trainer I've ever met in person. Not only when we went to these, like to the seminar, was he perfectly not only willing, but happy to see us and happy to talk with us and spend a lot of time with us, even though they have long seminar days and stuff like that. But after all that, 
he was even like having drinks with us and hanging out after hours, you know, and, and just talking regular stuff, not related to dog training. And Larry Crone is, is just a very sweet person. And I think it's cool. And he's, and he too is a really good family man. I see him do like videos in front of his house with his daughter and stuff like that. And it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have anything bad to say about Larry. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, like I said, I'm, I'm looking for positives here. I'm not looking for anything negative. Uh, sure, 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 sure. So, uh, awesome. That's great. Uh, last one. Okay. Um, so, uh, Tom Davis. So you guys have interviewed him a couple times, I believe. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. yeah. I believe, is one of the biggest. He does a lot for helping people understand and become open to tools. He's like, I feel like the yeah. gateway drug to people like moving the into gateway the, drug moving into the tool world. You know what I mean? That's like, funny. No, and, that's and, great. And yeah, almost to, to, to a fault to some extent. You know, I think some of the ways that he articulates it and stuff uh, uh, misrepresent the tool a little bit. But nonetheless, I think with his large following that he has and his overall, like, he's such a charismatic, like, fucking, like, people like that guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm interested to hear what you guys got out of your conversations that you had with him. Oh man, Tom is a hundred percent authentic. Like he's exactly the same person off camera. That sounds like such a cliche thing as I say it out loud, but <laughs> you know, it's like exactly who he is on camera is exactly who he is off camera. He's just very like kind of low key, kind of humble, easy, like soft spoken, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really interested in dogs and making things better. But Tom, <clears throat> Tom is an absolute, like social media fucking genius wizard. I mean, look what he's done. Right. And and there's yeah, lots yeah. of people that have big followings and stuff, but Tom has like deals with crew coffee. Like who does that? Right. As a dog trainer, he has a custom e-collar from dog truck. Like, yeah, like that's the, wild. you know, his, his ability to, to amass a following and then utilize it in this way is, is unparalleled. I think the, the man is, is brilliant, you yeah. know, and he too, I know I keep saying it, but he just had his baby banks and he's, he's a real sweet husband to, uh, to his wife. And, uh, you know, and yeah, I just, I like Tom. Like Tom is, Tom is somebody who like, even if I wasn't a dog trainer, I would just want to be friends, but he's just a cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, question is what, what we learned from him, right? Uh, yeah, learned or liked just biggest takeaway from the episodes. Oh, uh, <sighs> he's, he's kin folk. For sure. Um, one of the first things that I that, that we realized uh, when getting that, because obviously when you do an interview with someone, there's a wall up, yeah. right? And then we've interviewed him enough and interacted with him enough. We see that wall coming down. And rightfully so. There's been a lot of people tried to use him and screw him over. And, and he's such a super open, warm-hearted uh, guy who's super passionate about dogs. And um, it's, it's just, it's just, truly who he is and his nature is to give, 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 give. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, on top of being creative and ambitious. Right. Um, so once we got to see that side, we started to see what we all had in common. And I think he is a, he is a, he's a true entrepreneur. He is a true hard, hardworking person. Um, he's gone through very parallel, you know, mental health struggles that a lot of entrepreneurs go through. So like when we get, go deep into the mental health stuff and the, the practices that we use to create balance for ourselves and all this stuff. Like it gets deep. It gets real deep with him. Um, and, um, he's good people. He's really good people and very passionate. He's not an idiot. You know, he's, 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 I think everyone has two sides and he doesn't have a bad side, but he has a sharp, smart, very, um, 
not naive side, a lot of experience under his belt in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. And, um, yeah, just, I think, I think he's, he's what we call like, like what I would refer to more as like, a. Uh, he's not a rival in that sense, but he's a good peer to have. He's like that, that, you know, you have peers to the left and the right of you that, that inspire you and like you champion each other. And he's one of those guys that I'm just like, yeah, I, w- I want to see where this goes in the next five years. If you've gotten this already, let's see the next five years. And he champions us as well. And it's like, uh, it's just cool to have peers in the industry that you could be like, I see you, you know, and then you guys could just give each other props and it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. I like that. Um, awesome. Well, listen, guys, I'm not going to take up too much more of your time here. Um, I'd like for you guys to take these last couple of minutes, just let people know what you guys are working on, you know, where uh, they could find you, you know, what you want people to take away from this episode, kind of sure. bring us home here. Sure, sure. Well, I, I wanted to let you guys know, you know, briefly, because I didn't want to, like, take up all the podcast time on it, but <laughs> um, Ivan's study out in Florida. Yeah. I think he's working with the same undergrad student that I'm working with because I'm also conducting a study here in Phoenix hmm. and I'm working with uh, ASU. I, I, I post about it fairly regularly, but I have to be somewhat vague about it. Not, not for anything shady, but it's, I've, I've posted about it before, like in great detail. This is exactly what I'm doing. This is what's happening because I also need to recruit dogs. It's a study, right? Yeah. Um, and then of course, a lot of the, like the, the four, three people, not only like hound me online, which I don't care about, but, they're like emailing contacts at, at the university and, and then they're emailing me like, man, I don't want this drama. Like, just be quiet until it's done. Mm. Right. But I just want you guys to, you know, to be aware and listeners to be aware of the fact that there are studies being conducted right now in good faith, not weird, you know, like like Abzab studies. And and these are all like legit and approved through the IACUC. I'm sure. In fact, I know that uh that Ivids is is meeting the same criteria because you have to, mm-hmm. right? Whenever you're working with living animals, you have to adhere to certain standards. And the IACUC had to go through all my training modules and expectations and outcomes, and they they toured where the dogs are going to be held and where the training is going to be taking place and so on. So that's one big thing that I've been super excited about, and I'm going to be at for a while. And once I'm done with that, I'm looking forward to the next one. And um, that's that's part of what I've been up to. The other pieces of it are just training just you know personal business stuff here in phoenix and uh preparing for our wedding and just me and brant doing our podcast thing and that's that's really what encompasses my day-to-day yeah and then on on my end i think i think one thing that's really noteworthy is to talk about the the up-and-coming seminar we have with michael ellis that we're hosting out here in los angeles um uh, six months ago um we had this idea me and mariano and what we realized is like a lot of people don't put the same energy into understanding be- humans and teaching and education strategies as they do in dog training strategies, right? And we get so fixated on the dog training itself that we kind of uh, lack in the other areas. And as you guys know, in the dog training space, most people who are attracted to the animal industry is usually because they have some type of issue with the humans, right? So, like, <laughs> there's a lot of people who get into dogs that 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 don't have good human skills or don't Which trust is the humans, worst but they thing trust you animals. Can do. <laughs> What's up? Which is the worst thing you could do because <laughs> you yeah, realize it's so, all so, humans. <laughs> so we so we have an industry with a lot of passionate dog dog professionals who may not have the best, uh, you know, presentation style or education style. Maybe they don't know how to create, you know, lesson plans or whatever it might be. And so we we asked Michael, we're like, hey, Mike, has there ever been a seminar that 
isn't about training dogs, but it's just about training people in the dog training industry. And he goes, not that I know of. And I was like, would you want to host the very first one? And he goes, yeah, I think I'd be interested in that. So we kind of sat down and we had this idea of having a seminar. We have about 50, 50 people coming, um, 60 if you include like my staff and, and everybody. But uh, the whole premise is a whole weekend dedicated to like understanding some of the things that we deal with a lot as pet dog trainers, uh, different ways of navigating, you know, certain issues, how to create lesson plans, how to create follow through, how to motivate, how to coach, um, and how to do those things. And, and one of the big, one of the big points that Michael mentioned, as he's, you know, he goes, it's been a long time since I've had to deal with like client dogs, right? He goes probably about 15 years. Yeah. Uh, he goes, so most of my students are motivated clients with motivated dogs because yep. he does mostly sport work. And he goes, one of the big things that you guys bring to the table is you guys have unmotivated clients with unmotivated dogs. <laughs> and it's and it's like the art here is bringing our brains together to try to figure out, like, how do we how do we take what he knows and what we know in the pet dog industry? And how do we how do we create a system to really help a lot of young entrepreneurs and dog trainers? be better with people and therefore be better at sales and be better at, uh, you know, keeping clients and be better. Like just having good human skills is just having good community skills. Right. And, um, we're really excited for that weekend. That's going to be in October, October 20th through the 23rd. Yeah. Uh, we're having it here at my ranch and it's, it, we're super stoked for it. Yeah. Super, super stoked. Mm -hmm. And we've already actually gotten calls in like Canada and Australia. People want to like, do it here, do it. Like we haven't even done the first <laughs> one yet. Like just, I know. <laughs> show back and this is going to be our first our first attempt at it and i'm sure we're going to learn a lot yeah. uh you know refining it and stuff like that but yeah we, we're hoping that it becomes something cool and you know maybe something that other dog trainers get inspired to do also yeah um you know because we don't necessarily know everything but you know we're going to give everybody what we know will there be like actual client like you were mentioning like working with mm -hmm. clients will there be actual clients he's working with at that so the working spots themselves yeah. are actually dog trainers who are submitting themselves working with clients, doing a consultation, yeah. doing a group class, doing a private session and recording themselves. Yeah. And so so the, the answer is no, there's not going to be real clients there, um, but we're going to take videos of what they're doing uh, to talk about certain principles yeah. and line things up. Um, and the working spots ultimately are like one-on-one -on -one coaching with all three of us to yeah. see like, this is what we saw. This is what we would do a little different. There's three different ways you could have done X, Y, and Z. And then the whole seminar is like an hour of lecture, like an hour or two of practice yeah. and then an yeah. hour of lecture and then an hour or two of practice. So it's a lot. And then we're going to have, we're working on our lunches. So we actually have like food trucks coming to the ranch so people don't have to leave. So it's like, go yeah, get yeah. your food. We're working. And yep. then after 5 p.m., 6 p.m., uh, we're having it in the backyard, we're working. <laughs> so, like, everyone's working. So it's going to be uh, a lot of simulation, a lot of acting. I actually have some actor friends coming to the seminar as well. Yeah. Um, so that way we could just practice riffing and practice getting our reps in and, and troubleshooting and problem solving and, you know, practicing all that stuff. So, yeah, it'll be really fun. That'll be awesome because, yeah, it's like everybody wants the ideal client, but understanding how to work with the non-ideal one is so important. I had a like a, a mentee, if you will, reach out to me just a couple days ago and said, mm -hmm. you know, I keep getting, I forgot how she worded it, but she was like, I keep getting really genetically messed up dogs with really green clients. I was like, 
Welcome to the world of yep. pet dog behavior yep. modification training. Yep. You know, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. that there's a lot of truth to that. There are a yeah. lot of dogs that just genetically are messed up. But yeah, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like a lot of times once you learn how to work with that problem client yes. on a regular basis, they become like your fucking ride or dies. Yep. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, they, I mean, they're you know, when you look at people that have really troubled dogs and really serious behavioral issues that haven't given up on those dogs and are willing to invest more and more time and money into them, those are people mm-hmm. that once it clicks, man, yeah, they're. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're in, you. and and there are yeah. even there are even troubled clients sometimes with with non genetically troubled dogs. It's just yep. that the clients like very emotional yep. or yep. difficult yep. for some reason. But mm-hmm. once you kind of crack that code, yep. it's it's like I, I I firmly believe like if somebody's difficult, they know they're difficult. Like they they deal with it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But when you can like when you can can vibe with them on that level, then they like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you just have such smooth sailing. So so I actually really enjoy troubled clients. Like I almost don't look at them as troubled clients. I'll see on my calendar, this person. And I'm like, all right, it's practice day. Right. Yep. yep. I, actually, <laughs> it's practice I, day. I, I had a, a moment, maybe like a, two weeks ago, I went and did an evaluation, pull up to this person's house and I'm kind of reading through their things. I already know what's going on. Right. And, and I swear this is true. This sounds so corny, but like, you know, I was tired. I was whatever. Like, I'm like, I'm ready for the day to be over. This is my last thing. And I kind of look at myself in my rearview mirror and I'm like, here's your challenge. Like these people, like genuinely like them. <laughs> like them. Like, yeah. cause I know that I know the eval is going to go well. Like I know that the, like, I can make, I can close a deal. I can train a dog. Like that's all fine, but like them yeah. and make them like you back, like make friends with these people, yes. you know? And mm-hmm. I just kind of went in with that attitude and it worked and it was great. And I had so much fun and it was just nice, you know? Yeah. And my whole attitude of getting there pissed cause I'm tired and I'm hungry and I'm this and I'm that. And my mm-hmm. fiance is going to be mad. It's been a long day. Yeah. I actually drove home kind of on cloud nine. Like well, that was fun. Yeah. You know? And, and it just, yeah. Like it's, I like trouble clients because you can get through to them. And build a connection with them. I think that's the same thing that a lot of reactive dog trainers like about reactive dogs is I have to earn that relationship. But when I have it, I'm in. And I feel like a lot of difficult clients are very similar. Yeah. One of you brought up the uh, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, the book. You yeah. Know? Brent, and yeah. God, it is it is so true. Uh, first off, I recommend that to like every dog trainer. It is such an yeah. unbelievable mm-hmm. book. But like once you have the client liking you. You know what I mean? And you have to like them. Obviously, it can't be fake, right? But you have like the relationship with the client established. Everything else is easier. If you run into a problem with the dog, Mm -hmm. if you run into Mm -hmm. limitations with how far you're going to get with the training with the dog, if Mm -hmm. something happens medically with the dog, any of those types of things become non-problems then at that point once you have Mm -hmm. the relationship with your client, you know? Yeah. And I think what what that boils down to is they just just trust you. And if you have, if you have a problem medically or whatever. They trust that you have done up to that point and will do after that what's best for the dog. And they just, and that's not a question. And because that's not a question, then they're, then they're like, yeah, whatever you think is right is what we're going to do. Yeah. And that's, that's a big piece of advice that I give to mentees and people that reach out is like, how do I have this tough conversation with this person? Yeah. You know, I feel like they're not listening. I feel like they're not getting it. I feel like they're not whatever is there are ways to have tough conversations. And like I said, I enjoy them and it's because it's it's about that balance of like be tough but let them know like i'm on your side like i realize i'm being a little hard on you but it's because i'm on your side and and you know like in a friendly way like you need to wake the fuck up and and figure this thing out right and once they get it like as in get that i'm here to be honest with you number one right i'm not here to lie to you but it's for your benefit ultimately and they're willing to listen and you've injected that little bit of like shake up to the relationship where it's like, look, I, I, I need to be able to like check you. That's that's my job. 
right? I need to be able to hold you accountable, the owner. Then you start making magic. And that's, and that's a really cool thing to see. Yeah. I couldn't yeah, agree there's, more. There's a really famous uh, Eleanor, Ro- or is, is it Theo- Theodore Roosevelt? He goes, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. That's right? a good one. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's completely the truth, right? Yes. And that's actually one of the quotes that we, that, that are the, one of the premises of the story, because I think dog trainers are so easy to judge mm-hmm. and hold others in contempt and to, to be like, why are you doing this to this dog? And like overprotective, especially coming from the rescue world, yeah, like yeah. everyone's super overprotective of everything. Um, and I think when we can learn to love the people and learn to care for them and they feel that you care for them, then to your point, David, it's, it's then it, everything's downhill from there. Yeah. You know? yeah. Absolutely. Cool. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say one of my favorite quotes, I think it was you. I could be wrong, but I'll give you the credit. Okay? Oh, man. All right. <laughs> Is people that become dog trainers, they think they're getting in the dog business, but uh-huh. they're actually getting in the people business. That's the people business. Totally. The people totally. skills, yeah. man. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> you, yeah, totally. You, you can train yeah. a dog all day, but if you can't communicate that to yeah. your client, then uh, you did absolutely nothing, you know? Totally. I don't want to make this like a quote fest, but Michael Ellis says, you know, <laughs> that, that dog trainers <laughs> keep throwing them in. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just the, the next 10 minutes is quotes. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. It's like, I'm sorry to do this to you guys, but it just so happened. Yeah. No, the, the, Michael Ellis says, uh, he's like, the, the thing about being a dog trainer is your real job is a teacher and the subject is dogs. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, <clears throat> let me, uh, Caesar Milan also says, <laughs> he's like, you have to exercise yeah. Yeah. discipline, yeah. affection. I believe it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who once said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, Too short guys, said, anything, anything else you guys want to throw in before we wrap this up? No, I, I mean, I, we appreciate you having us on the podcast. I mean, if you guys are listening to this and want to listen to a couple of episodes, hop over to Dog Trainers Podcast. Uh, you can check us out at dogtrainerspodcast.com uh, and at Dog Trainers Podcast on all of our platforms. Um, we did a cool interview uh, for some of the young dog trainers who might be listening to this. We did a cool interview with a lawyer friend uh, to talk about contracts and how to build contracts and form contracts. Mm-hmm. And that those resources are actually on our website at Dog Trainers podcast.com um, and there's more stuff to come we have a new series coming out called road dogs so check that out when it comes out um, this seminar we have a, a a program in hawaii that that got pushed back to next year due to the fires mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah we have a lot of stuff coming up that we can't wait to share with you guys so we appreciate you having us on man seriously yeah. this is great absolutely yeah. it was fun thanks guys yeah, yeah no problem it's still so uncanny to me like the the exact time that you guys started podcasting was the same pretty time. Close. It's, and, it's and pretty it's funny close. Because yeah, you yeah. guys do Thursdays and we do Thursdays. That is, yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Well, cool. That right. makes it easy for us to have you guys on and, yeah. you know, and, and vice versa, right? Yeah, Hell yeah. Exactly. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, appreciate you guys uh, being on and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, cool. You got it. Nice Thanks, guys. Yeah. Take care. See you later.